Well, hey there, athletes. How are you today? This is Kim Constable speaking to you from the Strong and Sculpted podcast, the podcast by me, Kim Constable, aka the Sculpted Vegan, about all things strong and all things sculpted. And today we are going to talk about motivation. I get this question all the time. And I know I say that every week. I'm like, I get this question all the time. But, you know, I do generally tend to use this platform of podcasting to answer the most commonly asked questions that I get. And I get thousands of questions every single month across all of my social media platforms and also in my Facebook groups for my private communities, for my programs. And this is a question that people have been asking me to tackle quite a lot, but I've never really tackled it up until now because for me, it's not something that I suffer from an awful lot. Or what I should say is I don't suffer from lack of this thing a lot. So what the heck am I actually talking about? Well, today we are going to talk about motivation. Yep, motivation. How do you stay motivated? That is something that people ask me all the time. They say, Kim, I'm total awe of you. I watch you all the time on Instagram. I follow you on Facebook. How on earth do you manage to stay so motivated? So today I am going to share all of my top secrets with you about how I stay motivated. And just as a little spoiler alert, it's not what you think. So I don't know what it is that you're thinking, but it's definitely not what you are thinking. But I also want to let you know before we dive in that, of course, we are giving away a monthly program to somebody who leaves a review on one of the podcasting platforms um, and then send me a picture of the review on Instagram. So to be in with a chance of winning one of the uh, programs, any program that you like, even the $1,500 Sculpt and Shred program, all you have to do is leave us a review on iTunes or Podbean or Stitcher or Spotify or wherever you are listening to this. But just FYI, do not leave it on our website. Of course, you can leave a review on our website if you want to, but that isn't where we choose the winner from. Um, and then just to make sure that, you know, I definitely know that it's there, take a little screenshot of it and send it to me on Instagram. My Instagram name is at the Sculpted Vegan. Send me a little screenshot on Instagram. It's just like a little follow up to make sure that, you know, we definitely know you've left that review. And every single month, my assistant Courtney chooses one of the people who have left a review to win a sculpted vegan program. So make sure that you jump over and leave your review today and you could be in with the chance of being this month's winner. What are we going to talk about today? Okay, let's dive right in. We're going to talk about motivation. So most people think that in order to get extraordinarily fit or to get some incredible shit hot body that you must be highly motivated all the time. But let me tell you something, it is simply not true. I am rarely, rarely motivated. But you know what I always am? Disciplined. I am disciplined to the core because it is something that I have taught myself to be. One of my favorite quotes, and it's not by me, I don't even know who this quote is by, I've been saying it for so many years, I probably should find out who said it originally, is that, you know, it's it's not important to be motivated, it's important to be disciplined. Discipline is what is left over whenever motivation leaves you. And it, it is so, so, so true. You will only be motivated for a very short time, and whenever the motivation leaves you, then discipline will kick in and discipline is what will actually keep you going. So how did I learn to be disciplined or how did I learn that this was even a thing? Well, let me tell you a story. Whenever I first started my company, well, my very first company, which was D Yoga Talks, 
I had been teaching private yoga here in this office that I'm sitting in actually at the minute. So I've been teaching private yoga in my home for about you know, a couple of years. And I had decided that I wanted to um, teach this special brand of yoga that I was teaching, which was detox yoga. I decided that I wanted to teach detox yoga to a wider audience simply because my private clients had absolutely and utterly loved it. They would come in here on a Monday morning and they would be, you know, like said, oh, you're, you know, go easy on me, a bit of a hangover, you know, had a bit too much to drink in the weekend or, you know, a bit, too much, a bit too much to drink on Sunday. And I would say, okay, detox yoga practice. That's what we need. And they'd be like, uh, Adita wa? And I'd be like, detox yoga practice. We're going to rinse and cleanse your liver. We're going to ring out your digestive organs. We're going to do lots of twists. We're really going to leave you feeling amazing. And then my clients would message me afterwards and later in the day and they would say, holy good God, what did you do to me? I feel absolutely insane. So whenever I started, you know, getting the reported benefits of these practices I was doing with my clients and also I was, you know, giving them a special liver tonic drink and I was, you know, they were having fresh kombucha and, you know, I was recommending different herbs and remedies for them and Epsom salts baths and different things. And they were just like, Kim, you are like a magic worker. This is absolutely insane. You know, how can, how can I get more of this? And so I, I began to think, well, you know what, maybe I'm going to do a good thing here. Like I really am very passionate about the inner workings of the body and very passionate about the liver and the kidneys and, and all of those things. And, you know, I was able to bring that into my yoga practice and really create something quite unique. Now, I am not the only person in the world teaching detox yoga. It's very, very well known around the world, but I had studied it for a long time and I had developed a very systematic way of working the body from, you know, top to bottom, you know, working with the ascending colon, the descending colon, working deep into forward folds and twists to really help to um, flush fresh blood, fresh oxygenated blood through the internal organs. So I decided that I would I would run some workshops and I decided I would run one workshop just to see how it went. And so I booked a, a space in the center of Belfast. I already had a very good reputation as a very good yoga teacher in Belfast. And I booked a, a space, I booked a, a, one of the local studios and I decided to run one of these detox workshops. And I very methodically planned the workshop. So whenever I released this, I didn't run any Facebook ads, I didn't do anything. I literally just released it out to my current audience. And I let them know that I was doing this workshop. It was going to be, you know, 25 pounds, I think it was for an early bird price and 30 pounds full price. Well, the the workshop sold out within about five days. Literally within five days, the entire workshop had sold out. I sold, I think the space could hold 50 people. So I sold 50 spaces within the first five days. There was nobody paid full price. They were all early bird. And I was absolutely stunned. I couldn't believe it. I was like, wow, like my instinct was right. This is a really well-positioned product. So I remember um, teaching one of my clients at the time, um, called Julianne, who was a, um, she was coming for private yoga. She was also a very good friend and she was running a highly successful business. Very, very like multi-million pound turnover. Okay. And uh, so I said to her, you know, I'm running this workshop. It's absolutely amazing. And I was looking at the numbers and she said to me, um, and I said, you know what? I said, I started this business and I definitely think this could be, you know, a business. This could be a thing. I could run these workshops. I said, but I don't know that, you know, it's really ever going to make me very wealthy because as you know, if you listen to this podcast, my goal was always to, to be reasonably wealthy, to have a, a good amount of money so that I could, um, you know, just do a lot of things with my family and have a really good lifestyle. And reach more people in the world too was always a big goal for me. So I, I was sitting chatting to her this day and I said to her, you know, I really, I don't know that this workshop is, you know, is, yes, it's good. And if I ran these workshops, you know, I could earn X amount of money, but, you know, my, my income is kind of topped because it, I just need to run more workshops and bring in more people in order to earn more money. And she said to me, well, how much would you like to earn from 
you know, this workshop. And I said, well, well, I don't know. And she said, well, what's your goal? Like, what, what is your, what is your financial goal? What is your earning goal from running this workshop? And I said to her, I really have no clue. Like, I didn't even think about it. I just thought that, you know, I could sell 50 spaces at, you know, 25 pounds. And, and that's, you know, I said, I'm surprised that I did sell 50. And that's, you know, that that's all that I thought I could do. And she said, well, what about if you created a program? She said, you know, that, that detox that you've done yourself, that 30 day detox, she said, what if you created that into a program and then you sold it afterwards to, you know, you sold it on the workshop to the people there and then you, you followed it through. And I said to her, but the workshop's in like two weeks. I said, I don't have enough time or three weeks, maybe it was. I said, I don't have enough time to create a program and get it all designed and do whatever. And she said, no, no. She said, you're overthinking it. She said, all you have to do is create the program. She said, then you just create a private Facebook group. Whenever people pay for the program, whatever it is that you charge them, they go into the private Facebook group and you release the content there in the file section. And I was like, in the file section? I didn't even know there was a Facebook group or file section or whatever. Like we're talking maybe five, six years ago, and I think it's about six years ago. So I didn't even know like there was a file section in Facebook. So I thought, right, epic. This is such a good idea. She said, then you don't release it all in once. She said, if you don't have enough time to do it all, you release week one in the group. You do videos in the group. She said, you upload all of the content into the modules in the group, and then you just release it through there. And that's what people purchase. That's what they get whenever they get this program. And she said, and then you can, you know, it's a way that you can even make more money. And I was like, I love love it. This is amazing. Like, what would I charge for that? She said, well, it depends on what you want. I think we decided on like $49 or something at the time. And she said, like, you know, you could sell if you sold X amount of those at $49. She said, what about if you also do like a higher level program? And I said, well, what do you mean? She said, well, maybe, you know, you would have like, say, three people come here for an entire day and you would, they would get you like this personalized service where you would cook them lunch. You would show them exactly what they're supposed to eat. You would teach them about the liver and the kidneys. You would show them what supplements you take. You would break down the entire 30-day detox for them. And then you would have like an, an extra... A a special group for them aside, um, like a private group where you could coach them throughout the four weeks. You know, they could do a private yoga practice with you here and then you could charge maybe 300 pounds for that. And if you sold three of those, then that's an extra 900 pounds. So, she, you know, because I'd said to her, you know, I think like if I made like 5,000 from the workshop, like I would be, you know, I think it was, I can't remember what the number was, but whatever I said, I said, I, I think like, I said, that feels like a real stretch for me to make 5,000 pounds, but I think that could be really good. So whenever then we we looked at the numbers and and we you know, crunched them all down, we realized that if I sold this program that I was going to create at $49, and then I sold three of them at $300, and then I sold, obviously, you know, sold out the workshop, 50 spaces, I think it was at £25 at the time, you know, then I would make a substantial amount of money. And so I think that at the end of the day, I think I made just shy of £5,000. I think I made about... Um, about 3,000 from online sales. And then I made, I think, about 1,250 from ticket sales. So I think I made like just, I think it was 4,250 pounds, which was absolutely epic for me at the time, given that I was a, you know, stay-at-home mom, a yoga teacher from home, earning about 400 pounds a week. Like that was like kind of what my earnings were capped at because that's all the hours that I could teach. And um, to earn this amount of money was absolutely insane. So I was really excited at the prospect of doing this, absolutely terrified as well, because I had no idea if anyone would actually buy the program or whether they would even think it was worth it that I was selling them a Facebook group. You know, I had no confidence in myself. But what I did have was, you know, the ability to or the, the willingness to take the risk. 
So what I did was I I thought, you know, I was, again, I was teaching yoga from 9 a.m. to um, midday most days here at home. And, you know, I, I had someone in to help me with the kids while I was teaching. And so I looked at my day and I thought, well, when am I going to create this program? Like, when am I going to do it? And I thought, well, I'm, I'm already teaching from 9 until 12. And then the rest of the day I spent with the kids. And then the evening, you know, the kids didn't go to bed. We're, we're homeschoolers, so the kids don't go to bed till quite late. They were young at the time. Like, my, el- my youngest was only two at the time. And and so I was like, when am I going to, when am I going to find the time to create this program? So I thought, you know what, if I get up at 5am every morning, if I, if I set the alarm for quarter to five, if I'm in the kitchen, I didn't have an office a home office or anything at that time. I thought if I'm in the kitchen by 5am, I can be sitting at the table and my, my, usually my first kids didn't start to wake until about seven. I thought that will give me two hours of uninterrupted work to create this program. So I, I set my alarm the very next morning for quarter to five in the morning. I was up, I was at the kitchen table drinking coffee and I sat and I worked every single morning for a full two hours creating this program. And I, I got it done. Like I got, I, I wrote the whole, all the introduction. I wrote all of the yoga poses. I went and I got a photo shoot done and, you know, and with the different yoga poses that I, I wanted to put in the program. And I worked my ass off for the next three weeks from 5 a.m. in the morning to create um, not only the yoga workshop and make it an incredible experience, but also to create the online program. And like I said, I made just under four and a half thousand pounds in that first ever workshop. And 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 the the reason why i'm telling you this story is because i I did not want to get up in the morning at quarter to five, right? Whenever my alarm went off, believe me, every bone in my body was screaming at me to go back to sleep because I was teaching three hours of yoga a day. I was very busy running around after my four kids who were all under the age of eight. And, you know, it it was, and I was cooking. I had no help at home. I had no housekeeper. I had no cleaners. I had no chef. I had nothing at that time. I, all I had was just, you know, a lot of energy and and a lot of stress at the time being a stay-at-home mom to four kids. Um, But I got up every morning, but I, I knew that the the only time that I could get it done would be at 5 a.m. I knew that was the only time I was guaranteed two hours of complete and utter quiet when I could create this program. And so I did it. I got up every morning and I did it. I was motivated for the first couple of mornings. And then let me tell you, see, after the first initial, oh, yeah, I'm going to make all this money and this is great and I'm working towards this. See, once that wore off, the only thing that got me out of bed in the morning was discipline. I became I became disciplined to get up at 5 a.m., disciplined to get up and do it, disciplined to haul my lazy ass out of bed, have that cup of coffee, and just get stuck into work. And, and it was honestly the most amazing feeling. So that's the first point that I want to make about being motivated or staying motivated. The first thing that you need in order to find the motivation or the discipline to achieve anything in this life is you need to have a goal. Now, I know that I'm always preaching about having a specific goal, but I'm usually talking about a body goal, which is obviously very relevant also for this conversation that we're having. But in this particular point that I'm making in this particular story, my my goal wasn't a body goal. My goal was a financial goal. Once I got really, really clear on the amount of money that I wanted to make from this particular program, it was easy. Well, it wasn't easy. It was still hard, but I had that goal in mind. And I knew that in order to achieve this goal, I had to create this program. And I knew that in order to create this program, I had to get up at 5 a.m. Believe me, I had looked at my day and I had tried to figure out, was there any other way that I could get this done? 
which meant that I didn't have to get up at 5 a.m. And there wasn't. I realized if I wanted to achieve this goal, the only way to do it was to get up at 5 a.m. And so that's what I did. I set the goal and I got up at 5 a.m. and I, I developed the discipline in order to do it. Now, here's the thing about what happened after that. Once I got used to getting up at 5 a.m., I continued to get up at 5 a.m. Once I realized that I had I had found this golden hour at 5 a.m. where no one was calling my name, no one needed fed, no one, you know, needed a cuddle, no one needed me to do anything for them, no one was calling me on the phone, no one was texting me, no one was asking me for anything because the rest of the world was still asleep. I realized that it was such a golden hour for me to create. And I always laugh when I say that. All of my businesses, because I did the same thing whenever I built Sculpted Vegan, all of my businesses uh, were built between the hours of 5 and 7 a.m. Because I, I truly found that that was the sweet spot for me when I could get things done. But let me tell you, after a very short space of time, whenever the motivation left me, discipline had to kick in because once I had I'd run the workshop and it was extremely successful I sold you know I think probably 20 or 30 um, of the programs the online programs I had all of these people in a private Facebook group now who were looking to me for direction and I still didn't have any more time during the day so I still had to keep creating this material and uploading videos and sharing stuff with them daily and the only time I could ever do that was at 5 a.m. Now after the workshop was over and I was exhausted because it had taken an awful lot to build and create and a lot of emotional energy to do it. I still I still continue to get up at 5 a.m. Again, I was I motivated? Yes, I suppose I was motivated because I could see now that I was on the road to building something bigger. But really, the motivation didn't get me out of bed at quarter to five every morning. The motion motivation only got me so far. And once the discipline kicked in, that's what took over. So, you know, the, the goal was to 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 make a certain amount of money and then I had to work backwards from there. And that's the first thing that you have to do if you want to stay motivated towards any goal, whether it's a fitness goal, which is what most people write to me about, whether it's a business goal, whether it's any kind of goal whatsoever. You have to get really, really specific on what the goal is. For me, the goal was financial. I wanted to make £5,000. That was my goal. So when then I had once I, I once I had that goal, then I'd simply worked backwards. So I would ask you to think now about what is your goal? What is your goal? It's not, and you can't just say I want to be fit or I want to be rich or I want to have a great business. You have to be very specific. What is your financial goal? How much money do you want to make from this particular program? From you know the job that you're doing? How much money do you want to make next year? You know what what kind of body do you want to have? What size do you want your legs to be? Do you want to have a six pack? You know do you want to transform your shape? Do you want to have a bigger booty? Like whenever I started bodybuilding, my goal was to have a bigger ass. I wanted to have a great big set of cheeks, lovely, full butt cheeks. And I have those now. And so I was very specific about what I wanted. And I worked very, very, very hard and very voraciously towards that goal. But in this particular story, I'm telling you, my goal was a financial goal. So I looked at you know, I want to make £5,000 from this this particular workshop. And so then I worked backwards, backwards from there. Okay, what is it going to take to achieve that goal? Am I going to be able to achieve that goal through selling places in, in the workshop? No, I'm not, because the places in the workshop are maximum going to make me £1,250. So I'm still short of my goal. So what else can I do to make up the rest of that goal? So then I thought that's whenever Julianne gave me the idea of, you know, creating an online program. 
So once I had that idea, it was like, okay, great, I can create an online program. How much do I need to sell the program for? And how many of them do I need to sell in order to make my financial goal? Well, once I had that worked out, I was like, okay, well, in order to charge this price point and to, you know, sell enough of these programs, the program that I create has to be full enough, robust enough, has to, you know, have has to have real meat <laughs> from a vegan podcast. That's probably not the right thing to say, but you know, it has to, it has to really have substance behind it. In order for people to really believe in it and how exactly am I going to sell it? How am I going to teach it? And how am I going to, you know, to do that? And then once I had, you know, worked backwards to there and I started to create the program, then I had to look at, well, how am I going to follow through? How am I going to sell this? How am I going to talk about it? What am I going to say? How am I going to make this valuable? What pain point am I going to hit with these people? What am I going to, you know, what am I going to dig into that they really want for themselves and show them how this program can create that? Once I had the goal, I literally worked backwards from there. But here's what happens to a lot of people whenever they have a goal and then they work towards a goal. We're seeing this at the minute in my four-week shred program. So we've just finished um, the four-week shred. The, the challengers are all, they're submitting their photos at the minute. We ran a four-week shred challenge where they did an insanely hard fitness challenge for four weeks. Um, and we have some insanely big prizes, like first prize is $10,000, second prize $5,000, uh, third prize is $1,000, fourth is $500, and fifth is $250. Okay. Insane prize fund. But that's because it's an insanely hard program, but it does get insane results. So um, and if you want to see the results, by the way, you can go and look up the hashtag on Instagram, um, SV for Sculpted Vegan, SV Four Week Shred. Look up that hashtag on Instagram and you will see some absolutely epic transformations. Um, they are incredible. Or just make sure you follow my stories on Instagram because I'm always reposting them on my stories. So um, the four-week shredders are all finishing their challenge at the minute, but and they've, they've all finished the challenge, but now they're kind of thinking, okay, like, what do I what do I do now? You know, like, how do I keep going? Because you're never going to achieve your perfect ideal forever body in four weeks. You're just not. Just like you're not going to ever be an instant millionaire overnight just like you're never going to, you know, be a black belt in karate overnight. Anything worth doing takes time. But many of us are used to achieving and working very small goals, but we're not used to stretching those goals out into the longer term. I talked about this a little bit last week in the podcast, um, which was all about the emotional cycle of change. If you haven't listened to it, I definitely recommend that you go and do that. Um, it's about, you know, I really break down the different um, cycles, the different stages in the emotional cycle of change that everybody has to go through in order to be successful. So I did talk about that a little bit last week because one of our members, Michelle, um, has done many four-week shred programs, but she's never really committed to the longer term 18-month Sculpt and Shred program, which she is a member of. And I said to her, it's time for you to increase your complexity. She's done four-week shreds, 12-week shreds, and now it's time for her to really take on the 18-month, increase her complexity, and set that longer-term goal. Because many of us are used to setting shorter-term goals, but we're not used to setting longer-term goals. But here's the thing what ha that happens whenever you set yourself a longer-term goal and you develop the discipline to follow it through. You you basically can create, if you can develop discipline, right, to follow through on what you do, you can literally create anything in your life. Because the discipline that you create or the discipline that you develop in one area will transcend every other area of your life. 
Once you get up at 5 a.m. every morning consistently, which I did for three years, I got up at 5 a.m. Apart from on Sunday, sometimes I'd have a lie on the Sunday, but I got up at 5 a.m. for three years. I literally built my business from getting up at 5 a.m. I don't get up at 5 a.m. anymore now because I don't need to. But if I ever have an insanely busy work schedule, then I will get up at 5 a.m. and I will get a big bulk of work done between 5 a.m. and 9 a.m. when I normally leave for the gym. But you really need to train yourself to follow through. And if you can train yourself to follow through and you can develop discipline over the long term, you can literally transform your life. Like transform your life. I, I, How I developed uh, discipline and persistency over the long term was years ago, um, I used to have a coach. She's not my coach anymore. I have a different coach now, but I've always had different uh, life coaches and business coaches. I do believe in coaching. I think it's very important to have a mentor, someone who's done what you want to do. And so I had a mentor at the time and she was in America and um, I remember I was uh, I was I was having a weekly coaching session with her, and I just I had wanted at the time I can't remember what it was that I'd wanted to do, but I had wanted to um, I think I had wanted to to gr- I I was working on a business. I think I wanted to grow a business at the time. I was always working on growing a business. One day I was determined I was going to be successful, so I think I was working on a business at the time. And this is about um, I think this is about. Probably it was before D Yoga Talk, so I'm sure it was about six years ago, seven years ago, and I was I was working on a different business at the time. Yeah, I think it was about seven or eight years ago, working on a different business at the time, and the business was growing slowly. But I really did need to work in the business in order to you know make it grow faster, and I really didn't want to do sales calls. I had to get up every morning and do sales calls, and I really didn't want to do those sales calls, and so I kept kind of you know not doing them. And I had set myself a persistency that I was going to make five sales calls every day. And I some days I would make the calls and some days I wouldn't make the calls and some days I'd make three and sometimes I'd let myself off the hook. And if, you know, if I made the call and the person didn't pick up and it just went to voicemail, I would log that as my one call. And But I really wasn't being very consistent. And so my, um, it turns out it wasn't the right business for me anyway. So I was kind of, you know, was kind of pissing into the wind, if you like, because it really wasn't, I, I, I did stop that business pretty soon afterwards because it really wasn't making any money. The margin were big enough. But at the time, I really couldn't stay persistent. And I remember my coach saying to me, she said, what will it take for you to actually follow through? With what, with what you say you're going to do. And I was like, I don't know. I just can't seem to motivate myself. Like I just, you know, some days I do it and then some days I don't. And I just seem to let myself off the hook. And and I do hear this all the time from people who write to me on Instagram. It's exactly the same story. And they say, I just, you know, some days I'm really good and some weeks I'm really good and I can be really good for weeks on end. And then I just fall off the wagon. And she said to me, what about if you set yourself um, a self-imposed consequence? And I was like, a what? And she said, a self-imposed consequence. And I said, well, you know, what, what is that? And what does that entail? And she said, what is it that you love the most in the world? And I was like, coffee. <laughs> At the time, I was a mother of four very young children. Coffee was very important. So I said, coffee. And she was like, uh, okay, what else do you love? And I was like, yoga. Like at the time I was practicing yoga, like my daily yoga practice was literally my, it was my sanity. It was my savior. You know, I, I, I always carved out at least 45 to 60 minutes per day to practice yoga. Um, and it was kind of my little escape from the kids. It was my little escape into my head. It was how I, how I dealt with life, to be honest, because it really was stressful parenting for very young children. My husband worked a lot. And so I said, you know, yo- 
yoga. I said, definitely yoga. She said, do you love yoga more than coffee? I was like, I don't know. They're pretty equal. I said, but I don't know how I get through the day without, you know, my yoga practice. Whereas I know if I couldn't drink coffee, I would drink tea. So she said, um, she said, well, here's an idea. She said, why don't you set yourself like a a self-imposed consequence that if you don't do your persistency, if you don't make those five sales calls every day or whatever it was I had to do, she said that you don't practice yoga for a month. And I was like, <gasps> like, don't, uh, but, uh, I was like, are you fucking insane? What do you mean don't practice yoga for a month? And she was like, yeah, like if you don't practice yoga for a month. And I was like, but no, I, I was like, I, I was really indignant. I was like, how dare she suggest that I, do, I, I, I felt like a child. How dare she take away the thing that I love? And she was like, I'm not saying you have to do it. She goes, but I'm just saying like, this is really for you to evaluate. How important is it for you to do those calls? She said, because if you knew that if you didn't do those calls, she said that you would not practice yoga, you weren't allowed to practice yoga for a month. Then she said, do you think you would do them? And I was like, uh, yeah. <laughs> and so she, um, and I was like, oh my God, it scares the shit out of me. I said, it scares the shit out of me to even think about not doing yoga for a month. And she said, well, what would you do to make sure that you did the calls? I was like, I would set an alarm in the morning. I would set an alarm in the afternoon. I would set an alarm in the evening. I would like prepare my call lists in advance. I would be constantly asking everybody, did they know someone and who might be interested in this? I would be making lists of people. So I would never run out of calls. And she was like, well, there you go. And I was like, Oh, so I had this moment of I was totally letting myself off the hook because the the consequence for not doing it wasn't big enough. Like it wasn't big enough. So like imagine that and I always like I always uh, you know I always make this point to people when they say to me, "How are you so disciplined? I just or how are you so motivated? I just can't make myself consistently follow through with going to the gym." And I say to them, "Well, do you work?" And they say, yes. And I say, do you work in a job? Like you work for another person? They say, yeah, uh-huh. And I said, what time did you be in work? 9 a.m. I said, well, how on earth? I said, do you, like every morning when your alarm goes off, like do you just leap out of bed? You're so happy and joyful to go to work. And they're like, uh, no. <laughs> I have to set my alarm like across the room and like sleep in my work clothes to make sure that I actually get out of bed in the morning. I said, well, how on earth do you manage to get yourself to work every morning for 9 a.m.? And they're like, I don't know. I just do it. And I'm like, well, you know, why? Why not just like sleep in if you want to? And they're like, well, if I didn't go to work, I don't get paid. I'm like, so what if you don't get paid? Well, if I don't get paid, I can't pay my bills. I'm like, well, so what if you can't pay your bills? Well, I might not be able to pay my mortgage and I might get, you know, you know, chucked out of my house and I can't feed my kids. I was like, okay. So the consequences of not showing up to work are that you, you know, might not get paid or you might get fired and you might not be able to sustain your lifestyle. So the downside of not getting up and going to work is big enough. It's big enough to make you get your lazy ass out of bed and go to work. It's the same with going to the gym. It's not that you are highly motivated to go to work every day. You're disciplined and you're disciplined because there's a, you're either moving towards something because you love your job like I do, or you, there's a downside if you don't. So it's in a way, so it's either a toward value as in like I'm moving towards something like me and my business, I'm moving towards things all the time in my business, but you know, or it's an away from value, which means that there's a, a big enough consequence, a big enough downside for you to, to not even consider not doing the thing. And so whenever my coach suggested to me that I set a self-imposed consequence for not doing the thing, it scared the crap out of me. But you know what? I did it. I did it. I said to myself, okay, I'm, I'm up for the challenge and I have a lot of personal accountability because let me tell you, there's nobody is going to hold you accountable. If you if you let yourself off the hook and you and you say say you don't make those five calls, right? And then you and you're like, oh damn, now I can't do yoga for a month. Well, 
it's up to you to not do yoga for a month. Like you have to develop a level of personal honesty and personal accountability because there's no one standing over you with a big stick going, ha ha, Kim, I see you doing yoga and you said you weren't going to. So you have to develop this personal level of honesty. So that's really the first step. You have to develop this. You have to say, am I willing to set this up and am I going to follow through if I fail? Well, I am the kind of person who who believes my own word. I have a massive amount of integrity and honesty, especially with myself. And so I... Um, I, I said that I wouldn't practice yoga and I was persistent for the whole rest of my coaching relationship with that particular coach. And I, we only, I think she coached me for about another year and a half. Now, after I think four months of doing sales calls, when my business actually grew enormously because I was doing sales calls, I realized this wasn't actually the right business for me. So I stopped that persistency and I moved to another persistency, just something that would help me grow in another area. And, um, and I, and I did that instead, but I remained persistent every single day. I think I remained persistent for something like, like three years after that, like I kept changing my persistency to something new that was moving me towards a bigger goal. But I, I stayed persistent. I checked in with my coach every single day. And I think then once I, you know, I, I took on another coach and, and I did a similar process with her, I think I remained consistent for about three years. And so this is the, this is the thing about personal accountability and personal honesty. You have to develop personal honesty and you then you have to train yourself to follow through and you have to set yourself consequences that something big that you would really, really, really miss as a downside for not following through with what you say you will do. I used to be part of um, of a, a women's group and we used to meet every single week. Um, again, it was like a like a high level mastermind. And we used to meet every single week. And what, what we realized was happening whenever we were meeting every week in this mastermind was that, you know, there was five five women in the mastermind. And sometimes one of the women would get distracted and they would like, you know, and they would say, or not distracted, but they would be like, oh, I'm, I'm too busy. I can't make it today. And then someone else would say, oh, I, you know, something came up and I have another meeting and I need to reschedule. And so every week we realized when we were showing up, there was really only, you know, maybe one or two or three or, or, or sometimes four, but very rarely would all five women be there. And so we, and it just wasn't as, you know, the reason why we joined the mastermind was because all of these women were very successful business owners or, or successful in, in some way in their own right. And it was very valuable to have all five members there. And so we got together. It was actually one of the other members. She was in a different mastermind and she came to us and she said, oh my God, we've just started doing this thing in our other mastermind. She goes, and I want to suggest that we do it here because I think it's going to be absolutely epic. And she said, here's, here's, you know, here's the gem. She said, you know, we're all supposed to meet. Let's say it was, I think it was 1 a.m. on a Wednesday. She said, we all meet at like 1 a.m. on a Wednesday. She said, um, she said, if if one person, we all commit that we're going to show up every single week. If one of us can't make the meeting, then we need to reschedule the meeting for everybody. Now, I understand we were all over the world. There was someone in Mexico. There was someone in New York. There was someone in London. I was in Belfast, Northern Ireland, and I think someone else was um, in Georgia in, in America. So we were all in different time zones. We were all running different companies or we were mothers or we were successful in many ways. To reschedule that meeting for all five people was highly inconvenient. So nobody ever reschedule the meeting once we, once we agreed this. So here's the, uh, the other things that we agreed on. We also agreed that if anybody was ever late to the meeting, the other people in the meeting would sit in silence until that person arrived. So let's say the meeting was due to start at 1 p.m. We would all be there like 10 minutes early so we could have a bit of, you know, social time before we started. The meeting was due to start at 1, 1 p.m. And if, if someone was late to the meeting at 1 p.m., we would set a timer. 
And we would all sit in silence until that person arrived. Or say two people were late, then it was rarely two people though. Then, so say someone forgot about the meeting or they were just late or or whatever. They We would sit in silence for the amount of time it took them to get there. And then we would sit in silence for the same amount of time after they arrived. Now, just try that on for a second, okay? So you're sitting there, let's say sometimes, let's say you're sitting there for seven minutes, right? So 1, 1 p.m. hits, you hit the timer and everyone sits in silence. You weren't allowed to distract yourself. You weren't allowed to be on your phone or on your computer. You just had to sit, just sit with yourself. And so, you know, because we, we all met on, on Zoom at the time, so we could all see each other. And then the other person would come in and they'd be like, oh my God, I'm so sorry, I was late. And we would say, that's okay, we're just going to set the timer again. We would set the timer again and we would sit in silence again for another seven minutes. Can you imagine whenever you were the person who was late? I think I was only late once. See, to sit there with the rest of these women, knowing that you have wasted their time. There was one day, I think I was 13 minutes late. So they were sitting in silence for 26 minutes, 13 minutes before I arrived and 13 minutes after I uh, after I arrived and it was 20 I wasted 26 minutes of these women's days these extremely busy powerful women they they literally had to sit in silence for 26 minutes it was one of the most uncomfortable things I have ever done in my entire life I felt so guilty and I never ever ever did it again that meeting that we had I was a part of that mastermind for 6 years six years. For five of those years, we met every single Wednesday at 1 p.m. come rain, hail, or shine, or events, or no matter where we were in the world or what time zone it was, if it was 3 a.m., if you were traveling and it was 3 a.m. with you, you still got up and you made that meeting. And you were not late and you did not miss that meeting. And every single woman was extremely consistent. And that was absolutely and utterly life-changing for me. Life-changing. I truly believe that that was when I built personal honesty, I built discipline, I built consistency, and not only that, I built an enormous appreciation for other people's time. I already had an enormous appreciation for other people's time because I had an appreciation for my own time because I was a stay-at-home mom to four kids trying to grow and run a business my time was so precious. So for me to carve out, to arrange childcare for that one hour every Wednesday when we were supposed to meet was extremely hard for me. So I was already very appreciative of other people's time. But but doing that, having those um, limitations or having those rules for the meeting completely and utterly transformed my life. So what I would encourage you to ask yourself in your life is if you are feeling unmotivated, if you do not have discipline, if you cannot build consistency within your life, first of all, do you have a goal? Do you have a very clear goal with very clearly defined parameters? For that meeting I was telling you about for the women's group, it was a mastermind that I was part of. It was very expensive to be a part of it. It was a monthly payment. And I I knew why I wanted to be a part of it because I got so much out of that mastermind, so much training, so much evaluation, so much personal feedback, so much business advice. And so I knew why I wanted to be a part of it. I knew what my goal was. So I knew why I was showing up and obeying the rules that we had set for ourselves every single week. And I, and I also valued these other women's time so incredibly simply because I did not want anyone sitting in silence and wasting their day because of me. I saw the effects of my, my actions very 
very, very, very clearly. And I think this is the problem. Many of us are shielded from the, the consequences or the effects of our actions. We were late, but we don't really consider what it means to be late. We don't really consider how we affect other people. We don't really consider our potency in the world. We see ourselves as not potent. And I think probably one of the main things that we, uh, one of the, the worst things that we do for our children is that we, we send them to schools and institutions where they are taught to obey the rules and not think for themselves. Now, you, you, you probably all know if you follow me that I am a radical unschooler. Um, I would go so far as to say that I believe school, this is my personal belief, I do not expect you to, to agree with it, but my I believe school is damaging for children. I believe that a forced learning environment is damaging for children. And I believe that having children live under arbitrary rules and consequences um, and live in a Mida, and exist in a Midas right society, which is basically what school is. School is just, um, it's, it's all about control as far as I'm concerned, it's literally crowd control. So um, so basically, whenever you send a child into that kind of environment, you train them not to think for themselves. You train them that there's a, an, like, an, uh, like an external consequence if they do something wrong. So children never learn personal accountability. And personal accountability is something that we are missing in this world. We're missing it because we weren't taught it from a young age. We were never taught about self-imposed consequences. We were never taught to look at, wow, I did this bad thing or I did this thing and something bad happened as a result of my action. How can I fix the bad thing? If we did something and, and something bad happened because of it, something broke or someone got something got damaged or someone got hurt, we were punished for it, either by our teachers or by our parents. You are bad, you are wrong, smack. You know, or if you don't spank your children, you certainly, you know, used you inflicted emotional punishment on them to try and correct the behavior. But correcting someone's behavior and inflicting emotional or physical punishment on them doesn't teach them what they did in the world and it doesn't teach them how to fix what they did in the world so they learn no personal accountability they learn that the accountability comes from an external person it comes from the person in charge the person looking out for you the person who's who's there telling you what to do and what's right and wrong so then as we grow up in adults we wonder why we have no discipline we wonder why we have no personal accountability. We wonder why we can't motivate ourselves to do anything that we know is good for us because we're always waiting for someone else to motivate us or tell us what to do or or wave a big stick at us if we don't do the thing. And then whenever... If we never learn this as children when we grow up as adults, no wonder we all walk around not able to achieve our goals and medicating ourselves with drugs and alcohol and shopping and, and you know, and overspending and God knows what else. You know, we, we really have never learned personal accountability and, and that's because we were punished so much as children, not only by our parents, but also by our teachers in school. And also we never then learn to believe in our own word. And I think that that is is one of the fundamental problems with adults these days. It's one of the things that we are missing. And it's part of the reason why, you know, I, I love that Brene Brown, she always says that we are the most, you know, medicated, in-debt, um, you know, overstimulated, drugged adult cohort since, you know, since humanity began. Because we we live in this world where we just have absolutely no personal accountability and we don't believe in our own words. Like if we say, here's the thing about me, right? I'll tell you something about me that I have learned over the years from being extremely persistent and extremely disciplined. If I say to you that I'm going to do something, I do it. I don't ever say that I'm going to do something and then not do it. Because whenever you ask me to do something, 
Or you ask me, you know, if I say, if I make a meeting with someone or if I say to someone, you know, okay, yes, right, let's, let's, let's definitely work towards this thing and let's meet every Monday at 11 a.m. That 11 a.m. meeting goes in my diary and I am available every Monday at 11 a.m. I don't change it. I don't schedule anything over the top of it. I don't make anything else more important. I don't let myself off the hook. If someone says to me, can you do this thing? I'm like, you know what, Monday at 12. I'm, no, I can't because I, I have an 11 a.m. meeting. And I always assume that other people are the same. And then I get really surprised. And then I, you know, I, I make these, these meetings with people or I make these arrangements with people and then consistently they cancel or they don't show up or they, or they reschedule. Or, and I'm, I'm shocked. I'm like, Wow, because I am not that kind of person. Like if I say to you, we're going to meet every Tuesday from 2 to 5 p.m., I clear my diary every Tuesday from 2 to 5 p.m. And I'm here available with the coffee machine on at 2 p.m. every Tuesday. And it surprises me and shocks me that other people aren't the same because I just assume that everyone is like me. And then the more I interact with the world and the more I, I, I try to set up businesses with people or I meet people or I try and coach people within my programs, I realize nobody is, very few people are actually capable of doing what they say they're going to do. Very few people are actually capable of following through. And that's because they haven't got the, the, they haven't reached a level of personal honesty and personal accountability, which actually causes them to follow through. And I think that it's really important that we teach this to our children. It's something that I teach to my children, and it's I only teach it to my children because it's something that I have learned. Um, recently, my daughter—well, it wasn't recently; it was a few years ago. My daughter Maya, she um, she she called me one day, and I was I was out in the car, and she said, "Can Ava, which who is her best friend, she said, can Ava and I walk to?" you know, walk down to the local shop. It's very close. It's like five, 10 minutes from the house. And I said, yes, that's fine. No problem. And she said, can we take, you know, some money from the white pot? So we have a, like a pot in our kitchen, which we have a lot of, you know, loose change and stuff in, or I'll, I'll throw some notes in there for if the window cleaner ever comes or housekeeping money. And so she said, can I, can we take some money from the white pot? And I, I, I said, yes, no problem. I said, but don't take the 20 point note. Um, you know, they're only going to the corner shop, you know, for to get some like, you know, some chocolate or some crisps or something. And, and I said, don't take the 20 point note. I said, just take, you know, some coins. And she said, okay, no problem. And I didn't really mind how many coins they took because I knew there wasn't that many in there. They'd maybe get like, a, you know, a couple of pounds each. So anyway, I, ca I came back from, um, I came back from wherever I was later. And uh, she, Maya was about, I think she was about seven or eight. She must've been about eight at the time. So I think they're, you know, it's about eight years of age. We started letting our kids kind of walk to the little corner shop. And so I came back and, um, and I, I opened the pot in the kitchen and the 20 pound note was gone. And I said to Maya, I said, Maya, where where has the 20-point note gone? And she said, oh, uh, well, we, well we, we took it to the shop. And I said, you took it to the shop? I said, but I specifically asked you not to take it to the shop. And she said, oh, no, no, I, I didn't hear you. And I said, no, Maya, you you did hear me. I said, we, I said, do you don't take the 20 point note? And you said, okay, what can we take? And I repeated the conversation to her and you said to, and I told you, you know, you could take the coins. And she said, uh, oh, no, well, I, I, oh, I, I just mustn't have understood. I'm, I'm not sure that I heard you. And I said, okay. I said, well, where's the change from the 20? And she said, uh, we don't have any. And I said, you don't have any change from the 20? And she said, no. And I said, what did you buy? And she said, well, we, we got, we got this in the shop and then we went across, you know, to, we went to the coffee shop. There's a coffee shop beside the thing. And she said, and, and we got some, you know, some hot chocolates and we got a sandwich. And then we went into the charity shop, which again is beside the coffee shop. And we got some things in the charity shop. And I was like, oh my God, you spent the entire 20 pounds. And she said, 
And she said, yes. And I said, okay, well, this is something that we need, we need to talk about because this is not okay. So anyway, I, I said to her, do you understand why this is bad? I said, you, and she goes, mommy, I don't, I promise I didn't understand you. And I said, Maya, I said, if you continue to lie to me, the consequences are going to be worse. I said, so I need you to stop lying now. And she was like, okay. And I said, okay. Like I wasn't angry. I'm never angry with my kids uh, because kids are just kids. Like they're just learning, you know, and just testing boundaries. I love it. Jordan Peterson, um, who I absolutely love. He always says children are like a, uh, a blind a child is like a blind man stumbling around looking for the wall. So they, they're, and once they find the wall, the wall has to be immovable, but they're always looking for the wall. They're always testing boundaries. So uh, well, after Ava had gone, um, I said to her, okay, now we need to talk about, you know, what you did and we need to talk about why it's bad. And then we need to talk about what you're going to do to repair the damage. So we sat and we had a long conversation and I and I got her to admit, and because my kids aren't aren't actually afraid of being honest with me because they know they never get punished. Children are only, children only lie when there's a fear of being punished. That's the only reason, that's the only reason why adults lie as well, because we're trained as children to, to um, we're punished as kids. And so we become very fearful and therefore we, that's why we lie as adults. So, um, so I said to her, you know, okay, I said, I really want to go back to the conversation. Do you remember this part of the conversation? And I said, please don't lie to me. And she said, okay, I do. I remember. And I said, okay, great. I said, so let's, let's have a real conversation. Why did you take the 20 pounds? And she said, I just really wanted to take it because Ava was here. And I, I guess I just, and I said, you just wanted to be like the big girl. Did you, you know, with the 20 pounds? Like I, I try my kids on and I try and understand what they're, you know, understanding. She said, yeah, I really did. And I said, oh, I can understand that you just like, you wanted to put the 20 pounds in your purse and you thought thought it'd be really cool if you went for, you know, hot chocolates and the charity shop. She said, yes, yes, I did. And I said, why didn't you just call me and ask me if you could do that? I would have said yes. She was like, would you? I was like, of course, if you had said, like you wanted to get hot chocolates and go to the charity shop. And I said, that's a great little outing for you guys, you know, to, to be independent. And I said, I totally would have been in support of that. So she was like, oh, I didn't realize. I'm so sorry. I didn't say. And I said, it's fine. I said, so I said, but here's the thing. I said, not only did you take the 20 pounds whenever I asked you not to, but you lied to me about doing it. Do you see why that is bad? And she said, yes, yes, I do. I see why that is bad. And I said, I said, because I can't trust you if you're going to lie to me. And then I, you know, if next time you ask me, can you take money? How am I going to trust that you're, you're not going to, you know, take the money. I said, it's actually stealing. I said, if you, if you ask and someone says no, and you take it anyway, it's stealing. And she was like, oh, okay, I understand. I understand. So, um, so anyway, I said to her, what is going to be your self-imposed consequence? And, and she said, I don't understand. And I said, well, what do you really, really love? And she said, Starbucks. <laughs> and I said, yeah, you do love, she loves trips to Starbucks. And we would quite often go to the drive-thru in Starbucks when we're out in the car. And so she said Starbucks and I said, okay, I said, so I said, do you want to set like a, a consequence for yourself that you're not going to have Starbucks for, you know, a certain amount of time or whatever. And, you know, and that will be your, your, your self-imposed punishment for, you know, for lying and for stealing. And she said, she said, okay, okay. She said, I, you know, I, what about if I don't have Starbucks for like three months? And I was like, well, I think three months is a little excessive. I said, just like, why don't you say like for a month, you're not going to have Starbucks for a month. Do you think that's fair? And she was like, yes, okay. That's that's fair. That's fair. So she was all happy about it at that time. And she was, you know, fine that she felt better about our conversation. That was great. But let me tell you, see, the next time we went to Starbucks, because the kids were like, can we go for a drive through I was like, yeah, sure. And Maya was like, I can't have a drive through And I was like, oh my God, sweetie. And I felt so bad. And like every bone in my body as her mother wanted to go, oh, it's okay. You don't have to do it. Just have it because you want your kids to have, you know, to have pleasure. But I was like, no, no, Kim, no. And I didn't let myself because I thought, no, she has to feel the pain of not having the Starbucks to in order to correct the behavior in future. 
And it wasn't me who had, it wasn't like I was punishing her. She wasn't like, you're so mean, I want the Starbucks. Like we went through the drive-thru, we got our Starbucks. She was sad, but she accepted it. She didn't blame me. She didn't blame anyone else. She knew that this was her self-imposed consequence and she owned it. And so for the next month, I didn't, you know, I tried not to go too many times because I didn't want to torture her or didn't want to torture me actually because I felt so bad with her not having Starbucks. We wouldn't go all the time, maybe like once a week or once every two weeks, but we maybe went, went like once or twice more and she was in the car and she didn't get a Starbucks. And she kept asking, how many more weeks? How many more weeks will I have a Starbucks? And so then, um, you know, once her, her once her month was over, and then she said, you know, the next time we went, she was like, yay, I can have Starbucks today. I was like, yes, sweetie, I'm so happy for you. I'm so happy that you can. Let me tell you something. She never, ever lied to me again. Not that I know of anyway, but I'm with my kids all day because we homeschool them. She never lied to me again. She never, ever lied again. She never stole money. She is very like, you know, now whenever she, if she she got money there for her birthday, whenever she she buys stuff on Amazon all the time using my using my account, all my kids have my Amazon account on their phone, all of them, even my eight year old. And whenever they don't purchase anything that they know they don't have the money for, she knows she has a bank account. They all have online bank accounts, even my eight-year-old, so they can check their accounts online. So if she buys something using my card on Amazon, she transfers the money into my bank account. She keeps a running total in her phone of all of the things that she spent. She bought, you know, quite a few things recently whenever it was her birthday. And she came to me and she said, Mommy, I've totaled these up and it costs 77 pounds. So she had spent 77 pounds on Amazon. She got like 200 pounds for her birthday from relatives and things. And she said, you know, I'm going to transfer the money into your account. And I was like, thank you so much. I didn't check it. I didn't because I know that she has written down every single thing that she has spent. She transferred the 77 pounds into my account. My kids are as honest as the day is long because they know that there's the only thing that they sacrifice whenever they're not honest is their own integrity. Like my kids get paid for walking the dog and they get paid for a 30 minute walk. And if they only do a 25 minute walk, they come in and they say to me, oh, mommy, I only did 25 minutes today. I'm going to add another five minutes on tomorrow because, you know, I, for whatever reason, they could only do a 25 minute walk. And I'm like, okay, no problem at all. And the next day they will do a 35 minute walk. They have personal honesty. And the reason they have personal honesty is because I have developed personal honesty and I have been able to teach it to my children. When I say I'm going to show up for something, I show up for it. I don't don't let myself off the hook. I don't cancel. I don't change. I am respectful of my time and I am respectful of your time. When I say it's going to get done, it gets done. And if you don't have personal integrity, you have nothing. And if you don't have personal integrity and you, you can't even believe your own word, you'll never achieve anything great in this life. If you can't believe yourself, how on earth are you ever going to believe anyone else? How are you ever going to, to, to have self-confidence and self-esteem and self-belief and, and, and all of those things that, that you know, transcend every area of your life and literally make you whole? Your, your personal honesty is what makes you whole. If you say to yourself, I'm going to get up at 5 a.m. and you get up at 5 a.m., you start to build belief in yourself that you are the person who shows up and does what you say you're going to do. And once you start to believe and build that belief in yourself, then everything changes. You know that person, you know, we, all have, we all have these two people that we know in our lives, right? And I bet you can think of the person now. We all have the person who is never, ever on time. 
I'm the person who always cancels. You know the person, and maybe you're this person. Maybe this, maybe you're really looking at yourself or thinking about yourself as you're listening to this and thinking, holy crap, that's me. Because maybe it's you, but you know that person, and I'm thinking of the person now in my life. Actually, I don't really have this person in my life anymore because I realized that they just, it was quite a toxic relationship and they weren't good to have in my life. But you know that person who they say, okay, I'll meet you there at 10, and you immediately go, yeah, so I'll see you at 10.30. You know, this, this person is perpetually late. Even if it's not 30 minutes, it's five minutes. Even if you're going to the airport and you're on a deadline and you need to meet a plane, this person will not be there on time. This person will be five or 10 minutes late, at least. You know that person? Or you know that person? It might be the same person who who says, oh yeah, that's great. We'll have that night out. We'll go for dinner. We'll whatever. And then they cancel at the last minute or something comes up or they just can't make it or, or, or they say they're going to pay you that money back and they never don't. They never do. That's the person who literally will never, ever amount to anything because they don't have any personal honesty. My friends berate me all the time because they always say, we never see you. We used to see you all the time. We never, you never go for dinner anymore. That's because I'm honest with them and I say, it's you are important to me, but the only spare time that I have at the minute, all I want to do is spend it with my husband and kids. That I just, my, my husband, Ryan, is my most favorite person in the world to spend time with. I love being with him. And I love being with him so much. I don't really want to be with anybody else ever. And, you know, my kids are the same. I just love being with them. And so I don't make plans with my friends because I don't want to break them. Of course, I do see my friends, but I don't, you know, see them as often as I used to simply because I'm so busy. And whenever I do have some time, I just want to spend it with my family. But I don't pretend that I'm going to see them and then cancel at the last minute. And I don't pretend that it's anything that it's not. I don't lie to them. I'm 100% honest. People may not like what you say, but they will respect you for being honest. And so, you know, but if you, so we all have these two, these kinds of people, the people who cancel all the time or who are always late. And then we have the other person who you know you can trust. You know that person who you know you can trust and you know you can count on? It may be your dad, it may be an uncle, it may be a friend. It may be your mom, maybe your sister, but you know this person is always on time. And not only are they on time, they're usually five to 10 minutes early. Or this person is um, is consistently there when you need them. Or this person always shows up for dinner. This person never breaks agreements. This person would come around in a flash if you needed them. This person, it, this person is so reliable and so consistent. You know that you, when you make plans with them, it feels really solid. Doesn't it feel really solid inside when you make plans with that person? Because you know you don't need to think about it anymore. You're like, they said it'll be done and I know it will be done. Whereas the person who you know is always late and the person who always cancel, whenever you make plans with them, you know, your significant other may say, oh, are you going to see, you know, X on Friday night? And you're like, huh, yeah, if she shows up, yeah, if she's on time, you know, you you have this feeling of will they, won't they all week? Will they, won't they, will they, won't they? This feeling of uncertainty and that feeling of uncertainty is uncomfortable and, it's, and it, it requires calories to think about and it's not nice. Whereas the person who is certain in your life. That's a very solid feeling. You know when you make plans with that person, you don't need to think about it anymore. All you need to do is show up on the day and those plans will happen. That's kind of how it is internally with yourself. If you're the kind of person who is constantly making plans, constantly saying you're going to do something and then not following through, that literally eats away at your insides. It not only eats away at you physically, or sorry, emotionally, but eats away at you physically too. It does terrible things to the insides of your body. Whereas if you're the kind of person who you know when you make a plan for yourself or with others that will show up, that has a completely different feeling that affects you in every single way physically, physiologically, emotionally, in thought, it affects you on every single realm. But that does take time to build. 
It's something that if you don't have now, you don't need to despair. You just never learned it as a child and you're not a bad person for not having it. It just means that you simply never learned to show up for yourself in that way. But it's not too late. Doesn't matter if you're listening to this and you're 20 or you're 30 or you're 40 or 50. Doesn't matter if you're 90. If you want to build that for yourself, you can. And all you need to do is, is, is follow the steps that I've just laid out for you, which I'll recap very quickly again. So number one, set a goal, set a very specific, very measurable goal. And it could be, I want to look a certain way. I want to have a six pack abs. I want to have a big high type booty. I want to weigh 140 pounds, whatever it is for you, a very specific goal. Then once you've set yourself that goal, you have to set a persistency to do it, to do the steps necessary to follow through. And you have to have a self-imposed consequence if you don't do it. And it has to be something big enough that you would miss if you didn't, if you didn't have it in your life. And then you have to make the commitment to actually follow through with the consequence. First of all, follow through with the persistency and then follow through with the consequence. And just know that there's no downside if you, not that there's no downsides, or there's no, there's no one going to punish you or beat you if you don't do it. The only thing that you will lose is your inner word and your belief in yourself. But let me tell you, that is worth everything in this world. Truly, when you believe that what other people think of you and what other people say to you and what other people do to you really doesn't matter, that the only thing you have is yourself, your self-belief and your self-worth, everything changes. And that's when that's how you can be successful. When I was younger, I used to, you know, lie continually I would have, you know, I, I, I would have, I was going to say I used to steal. I didn't steal as in like I wasn't like a sh- shoplifter or I, you know, a thief or whatever, but I s- certainly stole value from people. Like I, I, I tried to get what I could from people and I didn't always give, give back. I did a lot of drugs when I was younger. I've drunk a lot of alcohol in my life. Like I was extremely defiant. I was always running around and lying to my parents and like going to crazy nightclubs at like 14, you know, age 14, 15, um, you know, sleeping around, did not have an awful lot of self-worth. You may look at me and go, oh, Oh, Kim's just had this really perfect life. Like I really did not have a perfect life. You know, my my parents divorced at a very young age, um, you know, which was quite traumatic. Um, I, I'm not going to go into the details, but I just want to tell you that I have not had a perfect life. I was definitely not a person who had a lot of pers- any personal honesty and certainly not a lot of external honesty. It's something I've had to learn, something I've had to build over the years. But building it and transforming my life and and really building this inner word has has been absolutely transformational. And it's the only reason why. I have an incredible amount of success in my life now, both in, in personally, in my body, physically, and also in business. And, and it's literally just showing up for myself when I say that I will and believing my inner word has been the one single transformational thing I've done for myself. And it's the reason why I'm disciplined. Motivation will get you going. Discipline will keep you going. Develop discipline. But before you develop discipline, you have to develop your inner honesty and your inner word because without it, you have absolutely nothing. So I hope you enjoyed this episode. I knew I did go on quite a little bit, um, but it is something I, I do get asked all the time. So I thought it would be good to really dive deep into what, you know, what what is underneath motivation and what is underneath discipline, because it's really not just about beating yourself there. It's about it's about truly understanding, you know, why you're not motivated and about developing that deep inner word that really, really 
is is necessary to um, to achieve any any kind of greatness in this life. So before I finish, I just want to say, don't forget to leave a, a review wherever you're listening to this on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify. Take a little screenshot, send it to me in a direct message on Instagram, um, and we're going to choose a winner every single month of the Sculpt and Shred program. I know I said I was actually going to tell you today who had won for January, but my assistant, Courtney, is off today, and she is the one who, um, who chooses the winner and actually promotes it all over social media. And so I know that she is doing that today on social media, but she hasn't actually sent me the name, and she's not here in the office with me while I'm recording this. So I apologize. I don't have the name of the winner just now, but I will announce January's winner next week, I swear. And she's actually choosing... Um, and sorry, she's not choosing where all the reviews are coming in for February's winner as well. So we'll announce February's winner at the start of March. So guys, thank you so much for showing up. Thank you so much for your time and attention. I truly, deeply appreciate every single one of you. And I and I love that you're loving these podcasts because I absolutely and utterly love recording them. Love speaking to you guys every week. So I will see you next week for another episode of Strong and Sculpted. Have a wonderful week no matter where you are. And I love you loads, every single one of you. Take care.